You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Welcome back to the podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and review on iTunes if that's where you listen. Thank you guys so much for tuning in as always. Uh, Just wanted to leave this in here. If you're interested in what Chantel and I are up to um, outside of this podcast, you can follow us on uh, Instagram at I am Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. And then you'll find um, some of our other businesses and stuff within our profile. And let's get into the show. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. We are doing this for the second time because we recorded and we were just so off that we had to re-record so we can give you the high quality content that you're looking for. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So the first podcast, we literally sounded high. (laughs) It wasn't high quality. It was straight up high. (laughs) <laughs> so the takeaway from that is sometimes you brush yourself off and you try again as Aaliyah. Once again, <laughs> take it away, Chantel. What would you like to talk about today? Um, so I, uh, I think we should have, have a top topic around um, breakdown to breakthrough. And I just want to talk a little bit about um, fear because you just did that event in Toronto about fear. Um, and I'd love to hear a little bit about that. So I just did, we just did an event about, it's been a week ago today now in Toronto, basically a meditation. And I don't know if the word is like the discussion about fear and unworthiness. Um, yeah. My like inner child who is afraid of authority hates the word lecture. <laughs> yeah. I don't like that word either, but we just yeah. kind of had a discussion. It was really nice. It was like open. And I shared some of my experience about moving to LA and all the fear and unworthiness that came slapping me in the face the second I got here. Um, so yeah, we just kind of like talked about it and I said from the beginning, like, I don't think a two hour event is going to unwrite your whole story about fear and unworthiness that you've been carrying for however many years. But the whole goal of the event was to kind of like open something up so that you can see how to start maybe doing that. Yeah. Does that make sense? So yeah, we, did, yeah. we just kind of talked and then did some meditation and breath work and it was amazing. I'm actually, amazing. I actually recorded the whole, um, the whole thing. So I might put it out. Wow. And people were resonating. Yeah. I mean, from the feedback I got, people were like, just really were like digging into some of their shit, you know? And yeah. It's pretty amazing when you can come together in community and just like see yourself in other people. You know, there's something in itself about that that's quite healing. I just think for me, my whole thing was like, I was a little nervous to teach it because it's like, I think that we think that we have to have all of our shit together in order to help others. And that is definitely not the case. That's what I, that was a big learning for me. Like, I don't have to have my whole life in a perfect state, which I never will in order to help other people. Yeah, like healing is definitely a lifelong journey. And, you know, that narrative is a narrative of perfectionism. 
yeah. So it was amazing. I really, I don't know. I learned so much about myself in doing it. And it was like one of my favorite events that we've done and we've done a lot of events. Yeah, that's so good. <clears throat> yeah, so this topic of like fear and having a breakdown to break through um, is super relevant to me right now. And I, um, I had this experience over the last three months. I was like really sick for a few months, um, like physically sick uh, emotionally sick. I felt like my, um, my mind was like abducted. Like I was possessed in that state when I wasn't like feeling healthy. I went into like full fear and I don't know if it was like the fear that was making me even more sick physically, or it was like the fact that I was like physically sick was bringing on more fear, but either way they were like, just, it was this cycle. And I felt like my brain in that state of fear, I was abducted or like possessed. And I, the reason why I want to talk about this today is because like, I just have this um, new level of clarity and awareness and compassion for trauma and for fear and what it does to us because I was in it for three months recently and holy shit like I I have so many tools I have so many tools for regulating my nervous system I have so many tools for you know coming off a state a state of like post-traumatic stress disorder I have so many tools to like get neutral. And when I was in the depth of the fear, that shit didn't exist. And not only did it not exist, the thought of it made me like nauseous and sick. And it was just like, there was like a darkness inside me that was like, no, that stuff is horrible and terrible. Like I couldn't handle, you know, the things in my home that are like, representations of my connection to my higher power, I had to literally put away in a box. You know, when my partner was playing like spiritual music, I love Kundalini spiritual music. I would start to feel like I wanted to throw up. And <laughs> it was so crazy. And yesterday um, I was driving and I was looking around and I love nature. Like if you listen to this podcast, I've talked so much about like, nature being a source of pleasure and hedonism for me. And that was a major shift when I started all my healing work and I could look at nature and feel so much joy and beauty. And I would look at the mountains and I'd be like, Oh, <laughs> fuck you. Who <laughs> 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 was like, who is this person? And, uh, you know, I, um, I, it was like that for a couple months and then, and then I had a breakdown and I had a full breakdown and now I'm like kind of like coming out of that breakdown and my teacher Tommy Rosen says that a breakdown is like the, it's like when you become desperate and you're ready to tell the truth. It's not a bad thing. It's just like, okay, I am ready to tell the truth. And he calls a breakdown the gift of desperation, aka God, G-O-D, gift of desperation. And when you're in that state of complete desperation, your ego is forced to surrender. It can't do anything else. It's completely forced. And that moment, as my teacher Tommy Rosen would say, is grace. 
that's grace. And so I feel like that's kind of where I was at. And I'm like having this experience of like major clarity, but also like recovering from such a painful, painful time. And it's really interesting what's happening in that experience is that um, as my emotions are starting to like regulate normally and I, I'm fluctuating between like grief and loss, and this is like a normal emotion of sadness to like feelings of being happy again and like bliss versus in comparison to when you're in a state of fear, your brain is hijacked and it's all fear all the time. And, um, I was just listening to this panel at the International Yoga Festival in Rishikesh with some incredible teachers, Bruce Lipton, who's like the grandfather of epigenetics. You've read his, some of his books, right, Bianca? Yeah. And then um, Reverend Michael Beckwith, who's a spiritual teacher. If you are ever in, the, in LA, I would really recommend going to his service on Sunday. Incredible teacher. And then Tommy Rosen, who's my teacher, and then Sadvi Saraswati, who is a spiritual teacher from India. So they're on this panel, and they're talking about how a breakdown is a path to break a breakthrough. And um, Dr. Bruce Lipton talks about the process of the metamorphosis of a butterfly. And so does Reverend Michael Beckwith. And I just want to share what they say because it's so beautiful. So in the process of the caterpillar transitioning into a butterfly, typically what happens is the caterpillar will go and eat quite a bit, like over, over consume. And then it goes into the cocoon stage and it, there's a complete like liquefaction of the, the cells everything that exists of that caterpillar and in the cocoon stage it's like if you were to be in that your cells are being destroyed everything that is you is breaking down and it's fucking painful like painful you feel like you've lost who you are like you can't even the ideas that you had before are just completely gone and then through that liquefaction, the only thing that that's left is like the hope of evolution and the, the higher vibration um, energetic frequency that's left of that, that caterpillar that is going to manifest into the butterfly. And then it comes out and it's a lighter version of itself afterwards. So I just like love that example of the metamorphosis and um, it's a reminder that sometimes when we are trying to elevate to a higher state of consciousness and change old patterns, the, the entry point is some serious fear and pain. So like if you are in that moment, just remember that in some of like the deepest, hardest moments, if we understand them at a different level, we see that there's like, there's positivity and there's growth in them, you know, because like we're either evolving or we're regressing or we're staying where we are and evolu evolution is painful. Yeah. But guess what? The, the, what? I think for, I think what I've come to know is that evolution is painful, but staying within that um, comfort zone or whatever word it is for you, 
the implications and impacts of that can be even more painful. Oh, totally. And guess what Dr. Gabor Mate says that the definition of addiction is? When we do things over and over again to temporarily increase pleasure, decrease pain, or stay comfortable, but they have negative consequences, right? Right. Eating, sex, drugs, drinking, all of the things. Yeah. So we're like, so he's saying that's the definition of addiction. You know, you're saying that staying in the comfort zone is basically has negative consequences, which essentially puts comfort zone activities as in their same realm as addiction. Yeah. Wow. This is exactly what we talked about at the event. Yeah. So like you can stay in the comfort zone. No one's telling you to leave it. Yeah. Yeah. But you have to start looking at the implications and impacts of what it looks like to stay in that zone. And what it looks like for most people is all of those things. Yeah. And sometimes sometimes you're not ready to leave that zone until you're ready. And, and sometimes being ready is your rock bottom point. Yeah. Where it's like, I can't do this anymore. I'm surrendering. This has to change. Yeah. You know, and that, that was my experience where it's like, holy shit, this painful experience, this this rock bottom point, this breakdown had me see so clearly the truth of what the real issue was in my life. It wasn't that it wasn't, um, the fact that I'm a victim of trauma. It wasn't all the painful things that happened to me, you know, like it's, it's not my fault that these things happened to me. It's not my fault that I had trauma. That was an issue because before that's what I thought was the issue. The issue is, is that I thought my identity was being a victim. I'm a victim. I'm a victim. That's who I am. I'm a victim of trauma. I'm a victim of pain. And now the truth is, is I, that's not my identity. That's just something that happened to me. And my, my identity and my purpose now is to find compassion and healing for myself. And that's it. You know, and the only way to do that is to move out of that, like, well, I'm a victim and this shit happened to me. Yeah, it's, it's painful that that happened to me. But my responsibility in this is to overcome that and to, to face that and face that with like deep love for myself. And it's not about like, and it's also been so interesting in this process that I've been going through lately too, is typically when I feel like deep pain, I feel a very strong desire for emotional support from people. And I'm like, like, I really need people to emotionally support me because that part felt so malnourished to me. Like, And I needed love from outside. Fill my love tank, all you people, friends, whatever, boyfriends, family, validation, external validation from work. I need all of that to be able to get through this painful time. And my indication of the deep shift that I've had right now is I don't want that. Like even like people that are reaching out a lot to me, I'm like, I just like, I want to internally process this. Like, I want to spend time finding love within myself. Like, I don't want everyone's, like, opinions and love. And, and like, I appreciate it. It's amazing. But, like, I want to process this for myself, too. And it's so interesting to notice that and see some of the people in my life. Like, I've attracted quite a bit of codependent people in my life. 
So when I'm like, hey, I need space to process, and they're, I can see they're getting bothered by my request for space. Why is that? Because we've had a codependent relationship together. Mm-hmm. I'll be there for you no matter fucking what. You're there for me no matter fucking what. Well, guess what? That means that I haven't had any personal boundaries for my own healing, and neither have you. Wow. So that in itself has been like a massive shift. Like, hey, wait a minute. Hang on a second. Do you understand how amazing it is for me to hear that? Uh, thanks, Bianca. No, really. Like that is immense in me knowing you as a person, as a friend and as a human. Like yeah. that is an immense awareness that you've um, come to. Like yeah. immense. Yeah, it is. It feels huge. I mean, I talked about it with my therapist yesterday and she's like, this is big. This is big for someone who like identifies as a recovering codependent. This is huge. And also that's another interesting thing too, because I've spent so much of my healing time in the recovery world. And in the recovery world, they talk so much about like connect, like when you feel shitty, go connect, go connect. Like go to a meeting, do this, do that. And like isolation is you being in your addiction. And as a codependent, like the connection piece actually is, can be a form of my addictive behavior. Yeah. Right. So for me, I like, I couldn't tell the difference between that before, but now I'm like, I'm not isolating right now. Like I'm spending the morning in solitude and I'm doing my meditation practice and I don't want to like tell you how I'm feeling emotionally right now. Like I just want to feel my shit myself and I want to process it and I want to comfort myself. You know, I don't want other people to comfort me right now. I'm and totally freaked out. You want to know why I'm freaked out? <laughs> freaking me out that you're saying this to me because even though we've had a totally different experience, I'm just, it's, it's freaking me out because you're reflecting back to me exactly how I've been feeling. Really? About my life. I moved about three months ago, all these shifts, same kind of thing. And what I've been coming to in the last, I'm going to say maybe 10 days or so, is that it's all coming back to me. I don't want to depend, not that I don't want to have the tools around me or the, like exactly what you're saying, but I, I'm like coming back to myself, which is like, I don't want to depend on A, B, and C externally to like validate and fill me up. Yeah. Yes. That's big. For me, it's been like systems or like my yoga and all. And I love those things. But yeah. like when you depend on it too much and then it changes or shifts, you feel like you're left like out in the cold. Yeah, totally. Totally. So it's out that we're, <laughs> that we're like aligning in this in such different journeys, but it's just freaking me out that I've been feeling the exact same way. Yeah. That's so beautiful. That I'm saying it out loud. Yeah. That's so beautiful. And I think it's, it's just finding the balance, right? Like knowing when the solitude is in isolation and then knowing when it's healthy, healthy boundaries for yourself, you know? And I also, what's really interesting too, is this shift that I've experienced. I also experience it in work. So um, because work is a source of me feeling my val- my tank of being validated and worthy. Um, 
I, uh, you know, I interact with work in codependent ways when I'm off balance. So I just was recently speaking at a conference and um, there was a last minute change with my presentation. I thought I was speaking to teenagers and then it turned out I had to speak to like all these oil and gas executives and basically the opposite of teenagers. <laughs> so I was like, oh shit. And I just found out. So my entire presentation was focused for teenagers and they're like, okay, we'll just make it like more informal. So I get in this circle of 75 executives and um, so it was like a blend of like executives and then the indigenous first nation members and there was a couple youth there too it was like a whole blend of um, people and uh, I um, was like what the hell am I going to talk about and typically I would have felt a lot of pressure and then I'm like you know what fuck it I'm just going to tell my story that's it and and I did that and it really resonated. And I just sat there and I told the truth and I didn't focus on how can I like, how can I present in a way that is, you know, making everyone in the audience know that I'm worthy, that like, you know, as a female in the finance world, I know what I'm talking about. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to tell the truth. And some of that truth telling meant telling stories that like are so embarrassing. I don't, I haven't even told lots of people, but I just told them to a room of 75 people, you know? And so to me, that was like a victory as well. And that was a shift. And, you know, after that presentation, people were coming up to me being like, wow, I really related to that. Wow. Like I really connected with that. And then there was other people that, didn't and who cares <laughs> yeah I mean it's like I told yeah it's like when you're like letting it all out there and just really being yourself and like telling your story a lot of people are not gonna are not gonna relate and they're gonna fall off but the people that do yeah I just find that you make a, the strongest connections with humans by just fucking being honest yeah totally yeah totally wow one of the stories I told that I'll tell on air because it's really funny. <laughs> I love these stories. I've heard them so many times, but I always laugh. <laughs> I remember. So, like, I, you know, I grew up, like, pretty much in poverty. And, um, you know, like, my whole thing in life was, like, my money story was, like, I need to have money. Like, I can't. All my pain in life exists because we had no money. And... So <laughs> that was completely fucking untrue. Yeah, it's totally not true. Um, but so when I was like a little bit older, like a te late older teenager, young adult, um, I started judging people's value by like what they had. So um, obviously, the guy that I found most attractive was a guy that was like five years older than me when I was in grade 11 that had, um, he had like a brand new expedition, Ford expedition. <laughs> you remember those? Yeah, yeah I do. He also had Harley. <laughs> he also owned his own house. <laughs> he also owned a boat. Like this guy to me was like so hot in high school. So I wanted to date this guy. So I started dating him and you know, as we're dating, find out that all of the things that he bought came from proceeds of crime. And uh, so like when you're surrounded by that, like kind of group of people, um, 
you start to, I don't know, like get to know lots of people that are in that space. And um, a lot of the females in that space were exotic dancers and they had a lot of nice things. So I decided to like leave that whole area of my life and evolve. Um, one of my next relationships, because I still had that mentality of like being, not wanting to be in poverty. So naturally I find um, another group of people that is very wealthy and successful, but at least they're doing it legally. So I'm hanging out with like very wealthy business people. And I remember going to this, like, um, it was like Vancouver's like who's who party, Christmas party. Like there's like celebrities there and like the wealthiest business people in Vancouver. And I had nothing designer to wear. So I felt so inadequate. So I call up this stripper that my boyfriend cheated on me with. And we actually like kind of became friends because I helped her get a mortgage. (laughs) I'm like, I have to go to this party. I own nothing designer. And she's like, oh girl, I got you. Come on over. So I go to her house and she's like, oh my God. Do you remember the YSL um, heels that had the bow on them? Yeah. Yeah. So she's like, you should wear these because everyone will know they're YSL. And I'm like, okay, amazing. Well, there are two sizes too big, but I didn't fucking care because I needed to have something designer because it's the only way I'd be worthy of talking to at that party. So I borrow her YSL shoes, two sizes too big. I go and put like um, toilet paper in the toes and I basically like had to slide my way through the whole fucking party all night you know, and there's like dancing. I can't lift my feet because if I lift my feet, my shoes will fall off. And this is like the pain I went through just so I could fit into this stupid party, you know? So anyways, it's funny, like what our narratives of like being worthy will make us do when you like actually look back on them. Yeah. But so wait, (laughs) What did you take from that situation after you left the party? Well, I was still like asleep. So I was like, oh my God, thank God I had the YSL shoes. And like, I really like felt like I fit in. But now I look back, I'm like, what the hell? What's wrong with my Joe Fresh high heels? <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah. you just don't realize how much like it's not it's not to say that like buying things that make you feel good is bad. It's just that it's it's like it makes you it, I don't know, it really makes me reflect on like I used to have a really bad designer problem. Like bad when I see <laughs> when I was with my ex and I was in college and he was also pretty wealthy and it was like oh my God, we'd be getting a fight and he would buy me like a $4,000 Louis Vuitton bag. And I would be like, oh my God, everything's perfect and fit. (laughs) It's like, like I literally had, I had at one point, like I kid you not, like 15 designer bags, but I didn't have any fucking money. (laughs) I don't know how I managed it. But anyway, I, I remember about a year ago, I started to like purge all my shit. Like I had box, I forgot that I had all these bags and I started to get rid of bags and bags and bags of stuff. And it made me reflect. I just, the story made me remember, <laughs> made me reflect on that time in my life. And I'm like pulling all these beautiful bags out of the boxes and like getting ready to sell them and give them away. Cause I was just getting rid of everything. And I was like, holy shit. Like it didn't even dawn on me until that moment in getting rid of all this stuff. Like, holy shit. I was trying to cover up so much shit with these fucking bags and purses. Yeah. I didn't notice it till now. 
yeah, <laughs> I know it's amazing when you And I still that. like how like I have one designer bag now and I love it and that's fine, but it's like it doesn't mean anything more much to me other than like yeah. I really love this bag. <laughs> like Yeah, I know. So, it's just so interesting how like the stuff that we accumulate <sighs> to cover up who we are. It is. And it, I mean, in a way, like, I feel like in our society, it's a bit of a rites of passage as like a young, like early 20s, you know, kind of like fully asleep um, person to be like, if I have this designer bag, even though I have no money in it, I'll like be accepted. <laughs> I remember that reminds me of this story when I first started dating um, my ex fiance who hung out with like very wealthy people. Uh, we got invited to Bill Clinton's 75th birthday in LA. So this party was insane. Like we're at this, so Bill Clinton's 75th birthday, like every celebrity is there, like Lady Gaga's performing, Bono, like we got to meet them backstage. It was crazy. So I have nothing to wear. And so I borrow this, like, you remember those like bandage dresses that are my legend? from one of my like friends and and so I have that so that's good with like my Aldo shoes (laughs) I remember being so stressed because I had like I was this is like maybe 12 years ago or 10 years ago yeah I think 10 years ago I literally had no money like I think I had like 40 dollars to my name and I was so stressed because I'm like, what if someone asked me to like pay for a taxi or something? And like, I only at have the 40. Time the party. Yeah. It was at the party? Yeah. Okay. okay. I, I had like $40 in my bank account and I like fly a private jet there. <laughs> I'm like staying in the Beverly Wilshire where Julia Roberts stayed as a prostitute. Similar story. <laughs> <laughs> party and I've got like literally $40 because I was like a mortgage broker and I was waiting for my next commission check to come in which wasn't for like a week so I had $40 to like basically for this vacation and uh it was just like so fucking stressful like just not worth it like if I had that opportunity like now I think I'd be like you know what like I just don't have the money to like go there and take care of my own shit if I need to You know what I mean? And that would feel really empowering to be able to say that. But because I was so desperate, like to fit in and, and, uh, you know, like be a part of this fucking scene, because I thought if I was a part of the scene, then I would be the opposite of poverty. Yeah, I was in a poverty mind mindset. I was like in poverty in my own right, you know? And man, it was a lot of stress on the nervous system, but... Wow. But like, look <laughs> at the company that you've created now too. It's just like, it's so woven in. Oh yeah. Well, this is your this life is, and your work. Yeah, totally. I mean, all that shit had to ha- have happened to me for me to be able to be a money teacher. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, it, so this is like, I know. And that's the thing. Like when we're, when we're on a path of like truth or like, as they would say in, in India, like Dharma, um, you, a lot of the experiences that you have are quite painful happen for you. They're not happening to you. They're happening for you. So you, you can serve on this like deeper level because you've been there, you've experienced it. You want to give back, you know? 
for me, I don't even know if they're happening for me or to me. The fact is that they're happening and you get to create what it is from those happenings. Yeah. That's beautiful. Or not. Yeah. It's yeah. really like, it's really, it's like harsh, but beautiful in the same, in the same breath that it's like yeah. it's to you. Yeah. To what it is that you want with your life. Yeah. It's not all the shit and all the amazingness. Yeah, totally. So in this panel that I mentioned before, Bruce Lipton, he talked a lot of, a little bit about what happens to the cells in the body when fear happens. And I just want to share because it's so fascinating. Um, he, uh, he was talking about like the, the coronavirus fear. People are going like crazy over this. And he goes, you know, when you are in a state of fear, he's like, no, he first talked about cells. He's like, cells are either in a state of growth or they're in a state of protection. They can't be in both at the same time. So your cells are either growing or they're, they're, they're protecting and pushing away. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, he said fear will basically create stress in the body. Cortisol will run through the body and our cells will go into protection mode. Right. So he said, what happens when we go into states of like strong fear, there's a lot of cortisol running through the body. We're going into that fight or flight. He said all the blood rushes to the arms and the legs. Why? Because we're getting prepared to run from the saber tooth tiger. And what happens when the blood rushes to the arms and legs is it leaves the stomach and the stomach is the source of immunity um, and, you know, like feeling good and feeling grounded and, and being able to like evolve within the body in a healthy manner. So he said, the interesting thing is when we're in a state of fear from like the disease standpoint, so coronavirus, um, our immune systems are going down because of the thought of fear. So all the blood leaving the stomach, the, the stomach becomes weak, the immune systems are low, we're more likely to get a flu or to get sick. Um, so uh, that's really interesting. And he goes, you know, like, people die from the flu all the time, like, probably more cases of people dying from getting the flu than coronavirus. But the difference is, is like the media is not covering it. And who's dying from the flu? The people dying from the flu are the people with the, the, the low immune systems, right? The elderly, um, people who are sick, people are highly stressed. So that's interesting what happens to the immune system in fear. The second thing is when fear is running through the body and the brain, um, what he says is, I think he said it's the blood goes back to the reptilian brain, which is all about survival. And it basically, we lose focus on the part of our brain that is in charge of decision-making. And so you literally become less intelligent when you're in a state of fear. Hmm. Yeah. So just kind of something to think about, like, and this, this, when I heard this, I'm like, yeah, I can totally feel that because when I was in fear, I could not make decisions. Like, well, remember when I moved and everything was going wrong? Yeah. I literally called you and I'm like, you're not understanding what I'm saying. Yeah. I can't make a decision. 
Yeah. My brain isn't working. Like yeah. my, I couldn't even figure out how to put one foot in front of the other. Yeah. If I didn't have people around because I was in such a state. Yeah. If I didn't have people around me being like, this is what you need. Like, just literally do this. This is the decision. Just, just pick what I'm telling you. I wouldn't have been able to do it. Yeah. I, my brain shut the fuck down. Yeah. It's what happens. It's crazy. And so, um, like, what do we do in that situation? Um, I think there's like a, it really comes down to self-compassion and to be like, and to kind of like, um, you know, like calm yourself out of that state. So that goes into the, you know, like the, the whole breakdown to breakthrough piece. And the part of the breakthrough piece is the awareness. Like, what am I learning from this? But to be able to get there, there has to be like a state of like, okay, I can't do this anymore. I need to change. And I'm now ready to surrender and change my mindset, ego, fear, turn off. And I think um, it's really interesting in that panel, Sadhvi Saraswati said in India, in the Hinduism lens, they, they see these like, um, they have um, this belief around like these cycles of life. So Brahma is the creator, Vishnu is the sustainer, and Shiva is the destroyer. So they believe that this is like a cyclical view of life and they welcome when things fall apart because they're like, oh, here comes Shiva destroying everything. And Shiva, if you know anything about Hinduism, is a god who is worshipped. Why are they worshipping a destroyer? You know, that you can see Shiva sculptures are like the dancing um, Shiva. Shiva's dancing to destroy everything. Why? Because destruction creates space. Destruction creates space for an elevation. So Shiva, destruction, creation, Brahma, and then the sustaining of it, Vishnu. And I just think it's such a beautiful view of like these cycles that we go through in our lives where things seem to just fall apart and it's so painful. But what's happening is space is being made for us. Space is being made for a new level of consciousness, a new state of evolution that we're moving into. Thank you for your TED talk. Thank you for attending. It'll be online shortly. <laughs> I just wanted to insert one thing because you were on a you were on a roll. I didn't want to interrupt. I think the one thing that we can all agree on is how to actually calm yourself down in that state is breath. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the part of like regulating yourself in a compassionate way. Totally. Yeah. Even if it's just two breaths, if that's all you can manage at the time. Because yeah. that's what got me through. I had to just literally, I couldn't sit down and meditate for half an hour, which was my luxurious practice. Yeah. I had to literally just sit there and take two breaths. <sighs> yeah. You know what I think we should do, Bianca, is we should link a self-compassion meditation to the notes of this show. Sure. And I have a good one on YouTube that my therapist gave me, so. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. do that, and then I'm going to link one that I just did before we got onto this call. Uh, Okay, good. That I want to try that one because you seem calm, main, calm AF. Main, yeah, Joe. <laughs> Joe, Joe Dispenza? Yeah. Yeah. I'm my baby daddy, Joe. <laughs> Joe, Joe is here. Are you, do you have a crush on Joe Dispenza? I just, I love that he, because, you know, I, we can, uh, 
this is what I think. You can get so hippy dipsy in, in the spiritual world and everything becomes so mystical and confusing that it's like, I need to take a step back and just hear it very matter of factly in black and white. Yeah. Tell me what to do. And like, let's make it, let's make it really clear and clear cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's yeah. Just, I love Joe Dispenza too. Yeah. Well, I think this was great and it helped me a lot. And it just, it's so weird to me that like <laughs> how we, how you reflected back how I've been feeling. It's just so interesting. How that well, happens. that's what we're, we do. We're mirrors for each other. It's so wild. Yeah. It's so wild to me. It almost amazes me every single time over and over again. Wow. This is just so special. <laughs> <laughs> Rainbows and hearts and flowers. Um, I just want to know, but I want everyone to know about your trauma of money. Can you talk a little bit about it now? Yeah. Before we get off and how you guys have been accredited. Is that the right word? Yeah. So, um, the trauma of money program that, uh, the trauma of money program is an online course and there's two levels to it. So one is if you're a life coach, a mental health professional, therapist, counselor, or a finance professional, you would take the trauma of money program and become certified in this teaching modality. So, you know, if you work with any clients, most likely you're going to encounter some sort of financial stress. This would give you the tools on how to deal with it. The second part of the program is um, if you want to just heal your own relationship with money. So what's really exciting about the trauma of money is we were just, um, our course just became accredited by the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association which means that if you are a counselor or a therapist um, in Canada registered with this association, and most counselors and therapists are, you will earn eight uh, continuing education credits for the uh, Canadian, or Canadian Counseling and Therapy Association. So that's pretty exciting to like have our program be recognized by that organization and yeah, it's a big deal. So therapists, counselors, if you guys need to do this program, like it'll really add a, another level uh, to your, to what you can offer to your clients because money stress is massive and it impacts entrepreneurs, it impacts individuals. I don't know anyone who doesn't have some sort of form of money stress or, you know, beliefs around their worthiness. And, and so yeah, there's just a lot that we can kind of discover when we start digging into our relationship with money. I wish I could do this round, but I'm going to be away. So when I get back. It's okay. You're, you've got to pass. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening on our round two. We're sorry the episode is late, but it's still fucking here, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just be grateful. <laughs> You can follow us at WCR Podcast for all the updates on everything that's going on. And thank you for listening.
Try again. You can do it all the time. 